This is the Mentor Shift Podcast, coming out every second Thursday with Mickey Fahair. Hey man, I'm so excited to have you here. This is Mentorship Thursday again, and this is your host, Mickey Fahair. I want to thank you profusely for listening to this week's podcast. If you're here, you're probably like me. Sometimes you feel like as a man, you have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders alone. I started this work because I believe we can help each other to learn and grow together and share some of this weight. If you like the sound of this, please subscribe to the Mentorship Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred choice of listening for podcasts. I hope to be with you on the way to work or in your living room or when you're running or walking, whenever you fancy listening to podcasts. Let's share the weight and learn together. So this is the Mentor Shift, and I'm really happy to have you, John Scott, today because I remember one of the most important interviews of my life. It was a job interview, and you know it was with a CEO, really experienced guy, and he goes... You know, like he's asking me all the regular questions, you know, share your successes. What have you learned from your failures? And, you know, it's really easy. And at one point he looks at me, he's like, Mickey, who are you? And I remember, you know, the the whole world is like, oh, who am I? You know, what am I supposed to say to that? And interestingly, I came up, you know, I started my answer. I said, I'm a father. And then I started talking about how fatherhood changed me. And I know that you have a project that we're going to be maybe a little bit discussing today, Dead Normous. Uh, So you are also very connected to being uh, a father and a man. So, you know, welcome. Sure. Thanks, Mickey. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And as you said, I have a little hashtag I've been using forever, which is father first. So I see the world uh, very joyfully and luckily. I feel very fortunate to see the world as a father first. And it kind of uh, shapes my worldview overall. So I work as a cross-cultural organizational psychologist, which is usually sufficiently confusing for people. (laughs) And I try to distill it down to, I help help businesses, leaders, and people uh, work better, uh, be happier, and be more successful. And it takes on different forms. It takes on different, you know, uh, project realities. But at the essence, it's really about, what is what is your purpose? Like, what is your driving reality? Mm-hmm. What is your why? Right to to look at Simon Sinek's uh, post. So, I think that that's a, that's a bit about who I am as a person. And I love my work. I love my clients. And as you mentioned, I have uh, one of a few projects that have you know generated during this uh, pandemic uh, is something called Dad Normous, and it's uh, something I'm very very happy to. And, and it's. It's a project, it's a passion, it's so much fun, and I'm super curious about learning about the stories. And basically, it's, it's a YouTube channel um, called Dad Normus. Please yeah. subscribe. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's been super fun. I've talked to six dads thus far from all over the world with children at all different ages. And the purpose of it is because it's simple as this. There's tons of resources I've seen for moms, which is great. I didn't see... Uh, dads having a forum to speak to other people about being a dad. And the, when we have a 
point. And as you mentioned, it's such a huge part of who I am as a person. And I know this is not unique to me. It was a, it's a great opportunity to speak. Even just now with this, the CEO is on the phone with, he goes, Hey, I heard about your project. He goes, can I be interviewed? I'm like, yeah, totally. So it's something that we don't really spend time focused on it. As I've been saying in, in the videos, we usually touch on it. You know, like I'll, even just now when we got, before we started recording, like everybody good, how's the family, kids are right, good. We check in and then we get to the real subject of the conversation. And on Dad Normus, that is the conversation, which I think is I love it. so simple and so awesome. Yeah, yeah I really am having yeah, a great it's... time with it. And I think it's a great resource for, for dads, right? It's a great resource for new dads, experienced dads, as I like to call perhaps you and me. And uh, with older kids, but it's uh, it's a resource I want to share to show that number one, we're not alone in the um, challenges and opportunities and joys and sadness, and uh, and number two, I really want this to highlight the commonality across the world, you know, and the universality of the experience. I love it, and you know, congratulations on the project. Definitely uh, excited about it, and. Uh, We'll we'll be speaking about that too at at some point, but that's another conversation. So, you know, for, different conversation for today. You know, one one of the questions I wanted to ask you is: I also work, you know, with organizations and individuals alike, and I I actually focus a lot on working with men. And one of the things that I hear from men is that look, I got my job, you know, I, I'm a leader or I'm an entrepreneur, I'm running my business. So that's one thing. And then, you know, I got my family. I'm a dad. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spouse or a partner. And those are two different things. And, you know, those, those are two different roles. I need to be a different person here. I need to be a different person there. I need to be professional at work. So there is, I don't see the connection between the two. So what do, what do you say to that? How, how, should, how do we think about that? <laughs> that's an interesting question. Uh, great question. I, you know, it, I hate to go professional, but what it's what it kind of popped in my head right now is something I've used with clients called the DISC assessment. You're probably familiar sure, with, yeah. which you you kind of you're plotted with two dots, right? One is your uh, your score in how you show up at work, and one is the score of how you show up in reality in life. And the disparity between those two points, the longer the disparity, the more exhausting it is to be you right. at work because you're not being authentic. So when you just asked me that question, I thought about the same thing. I think that for someone who delineates those two realities with themselves and who they are, it's got to be exhausting to kind of uh, switch gears to be uh, one person and switch gears to be another person. Now, again, we're talking about home life versus work life. So there is certain differences inherent to those realities. And I think that it's important to still show up authentically, you know, I mentioned to you like this uh, earlier, like how I think that we have these points that we all distill down our work and life into these realities. And I think that looking at, you know, positivity, authenticity, courage, action, joy, gratitude, and resilience, which is the seven checkpoints I kind of focus on with my clients, that's universal, right? So I think I'd like to be able to, you know, listen to myself and be real with those seven points at work and at home. So I think, I think that's an exhaust, sounds like an exhausting reality to be that person who's like, I'm one person at work. I'm one person at home. Um, now that said, I want to honor the fact that I remember when I first, uh, when I was first married, my commute got much shorter 
um, the public transportation where I lived then was much better, uh, not far from where you are right now. So mm-hmm. it was 30 minutes. My previous commute was an hour plus. And I found for me when I was transitioning from work to home or home to work, I really valued that transition time. And what became very present to me was that was more about the work I was going to than anything else. So if I addressed my work issues, I didn't really need huge adjustment time to kind of either like prepare myself mentally or wind down after the day. So I think that we can accept those realities or get involved, you know, have the courage and take action to change them so that we're more aligned as people and as men. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this, you and I previously, I think as men, we tend to um, abandon our feelings in, in most situations for responsibility. And I don't think those two things are necessarily uh, mutually exclusive. I think that, you know, they can be uh, interwoven as a fabric of who we show up in the world as as men, as fathers, and as partners, whatever we are. So, um, yeah. No, no, I, I love that thought, you know, the the idea of being tired of pretending to be someone else. <laughs> so, you know, th- th- that's a really that's a really good point for 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 people to consider and just for our listeners, like if you think about your life, how different do you think you are in your different roles? And if you th- if you find that you're hugely different, I mean, Obviously, there is context and, you know, there's the boardroom and you behave in a certain way in a boardroom. There is the the team meeting and there is, you know, there is when you play with your child at home. So those are different contexts. we, We understand that. But this idea that there are certain competencies, certain qualities that you need to embody in each of those situations, I think that that works for me. You know, resilience and courage is really useful for a a father and it's really useful for, for, for a leader. But by the way, so, you know, we, we talk about manhood and fatherhood as a role. Um, how intentional do you think we need to be about these things? So, like, is it really that we, we need to think about who I am as a man? Is it really that I need to be intentional about what kind of a father do I want to be? Or is that something that, you know, kind of comes along as you know, as, as, as you, as you embrace life and you just try to do your best, like what's, what's your thinking? Yeah. Grant, again, a great question. I think that the answer is yes. I think that the answer is for me, as I perceive uh, being a man and exercise, uh, you know, that in my day to day. And similarly, as I perceive being a father, I use, I use my own explanation uh, of, dad versus father. So for me, like a father is a biological reality. And the reason I chose the name dad for dad normus is because as just my own interpretation, a dad is someone is a, that is a father who's engaged, present and communicative with their, with their children. And so I think that if I go back to um, what it means to be uh, a man as a intention, I think that's, for most of us, when we become dads or we're become a certain age, it's just who we are in the world. And I think our experiences, good and bad, shape us. And as I, I've said recently, I think it was uh, on my interview with Antonio, um, whom you know, you know, we, we live our lessons. 
So I think that our, our life and our lessons inform, you know, tweaks that we make. And I think that's good. That's, that's, a, that's being intellectually hum- humble. So when you have new things, you can kind of take new information and adjust accordingly. I think issues as a man and issues as a dad arise when you become entrenched in one way of being and you don't adapt to new information and kind of amplify what's working and, you know, try to lower down things that haven't been working and try something new. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a father and I'm a dad to, uh, to a boy, uh, to a, a man and a woman at this point, you know, 23 and 21, a uh, young man and young woman. And who I am as their dad now is very different than who I was when they were children for lots of reasons. You know, life has taught me lessons. They've taught me lessons. Um, you know, one of the things that I told my kids when they turned 18 was, you know, now you have an opportunity as a, you know, quote, adult to learn from the things that, you know, your mom and I and all of our family has done and to choose and select the parts of your childhood that you want to carry forward in your life. And similarly, you can choose the parts of your life that you're like, you know, I'm going to take a different way. And I think that's what inherently having some freedom of thought and promoting that in your kids, I think is an important piece of being a dad. I think it's also an important piece of being a man. You know, I've made mistakes. I think owning the fact that, you know, we're infallible. Um, I like to say I have made mistakes. I'm probably making some now. I'm sure I'll make some in the future. I, I'd like to learn from them. I'd like to um, show my kids that I'm someone who can make mistakes and grow and uh, bounce back. Um, I think resilience is an underrated quality uh, for people and for, um, I think, for the role of a, of a man as a dad and a father, I think oftentimes gets muddled, particularly um, in different society, as something where, you know, you just have to kind of take it and handle it and go forward. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently who's going through a divorce, and I'm a divorced person. Um, and he said, you know, I didn't want my kids to see me upset. And I said, well, why not? I said, I think it's an upsetting reality. And you're modeling for your kids that it's okay to feel it and to move through it. I have a colleague I've worked with who talks about emotions, and she had the most brilliant way of describing it. She said, emotions are energy in Emotion, motion. Right. So Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's so if you allow it in, whatever it is, um, feel it, you know, own it, feel it, be present with it, and then let it flow out. I think problems arise, mental, physical, emotional, um, when we cling to things. And this is true both in the affirmative and negative, right? It's if you have a good thing happen and you're just holding on to it and you're missing all the things that are falling around you. But I think the propensity is for most of us to have something happen and to have that perhaps define a bigger period of our life and our consciousness as men and fathers than it should. So I think I like to model with my kids, you know, from the time they've been small that, yes, I've made mistakes and I apologize for them. I try to grow and not make them again. And also if I'm joyful, sad, all the different, you know, uh, pieces, um, I try to experience those fully as a person, as a man and as a father. So I think it makes me a more effective communicator. I think in my business and in my personal life, um, it makes me more effective. And, and actually, it's just, it's just who I am. 
right? It's it's the first of those seven, right? It's it's second of those seven. It's authenticity. You know, it's I'm not going to hide that. I guess it's also you know age too, right, Mickey? I mean, I think when I was younger, I felt the need to conform to my idea of what you know a, a graduate from university was, you know, at work, and then I felt the need to conform to my concept of what a dad or a husband was, you know, and then I felt the need to conform to what I thought, you know, it was supposed to be as a father. And then I realized that, you know, there's no rule book to any of this. This is, you know, we're all creating our realities in real time. And we're all learning, hopefully, with our eyes and ears open um, about the world around us and how we can be, you know, better and whatever that means to you or me. You know, I think yeah, and, that, and that's why it's so important to uh, learn not, from each other as well, because, you know, like you were going through it, I'm going through it, they are going through it. But if we don't share, we don't, we don't get to learn. Right. And, you know, culturally, you know this better than I do with, with your pro, your, this program is that men typically don't have a forum like this. You know, so I find for me, like I have a couple of core group of really good friends, you know, two or three at this point in my life. I've made my circle pretty small in terms of that tight group of guys. And we'll tell each other whatever, you know, and these are friends I like to categorize. Like, these are my friends who can call me at any time, you know, of the day or night and said, I need you. I'm over here. Please come get me. And, I'm, and I'm, there's no questions. I'm just like, I hang up the phone and I jump in the car and I go, or I jump on a plane, which is more likely for me <laughs> to go. So I think that, but I think the conversation that you're promoting with, with this podcast and also with your, all your work in general is, you know, you're promoting a dialogue that's so critical because not only is it critical for people like you and me, I think it's it's critical for people like uh, people coming through, people in the next generation, people who are taking the cultural cues that you're offering, which is so valuable, to reframe how they are in the world as people, as men, and as you know, eventual fathers and dads. So um, I think the conversation is critical. Um, I think I told you I went to a, a man's like a they had a, a men's like, you know, group conversation when I was in, um, overseas several years ago, which was probably the first time I ever saw like 30 guys sitting around a table, like a big table, um, having a conversation that was, you know, facilitated. It was great. And, um, and I think it's, it's shifting, right? It's shifting with the help of people like you, um, which I think is critical. I think it's a great service to, uh, to the societies that we live in to have men, you know, own their realities and, and really see the need to be, uh, the need is there, but to see it clearly that it's necessary and it's it's beneficial to everyone in their lives and themselves to be more authentic and to kind of live, you know, uh, live a life, as I like to say, out loud, right? Not like, you know, not just, yeah. we're good at going right. up here, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's awesome what you're saying. Uh, and I, you know, it was a la long kind of train of thought because we started with, you know, the intentional being intentional and purposeful and then you know how much is it happening on the fly as, as it kind of arises and, and you're learning on the go and I think it's both and and the key point which I'm hearing from you and I, I really want to amplify it to all of our listeners is the part where you reflect so for example for for that choice that you gave to your kids you said to them Okay, so you guys now get to choose which are the pieces that you want to carry forward and which are the pieces that you might want to sort of alter or change. And I think that's the key. Like, there's no learning without actually sitting down and thinking about it. And, you know, what do I like? What is it that bothers me? 
how am I acting and what are the results out of it? And right. I remember I'm, I'm sitting in the car with my son and he was like 13 at that point. And I always, and I try to teach um, reflection to them. So, you know, he talks about his friends and I'm like, okay, so what do you like about this guy? What, you know, like your best friend. And then he says, you know, this guy is not my friend. And I'm like, okay, so tell me a little bit about what is it that, you know, doesn't make you as comfortable being with this guy. And he's like, dad, I just don't think like that. Why are you asking me all these questions? <laughs> so, you know, how do you teach self-reflection to, to kids? I'm curious, like as a dad, like. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, it, you brought, it's a great example because I've certainly yeah. had the same exact example. I think it's, you know, um, I think it's a matter of, first of all, I think it's, it's a question of modeling, right? Like, what do we show them? And I'm pretty vocal when I'm deliberating on something. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, the conversations are different now, right? My son's 23 and um, my daughter's 21, as I said. And they you know, will have different dialogue now about work and life and purpose and, you know, finding a, a balance in all of it for them that suits them. Like, I, I don't have to agree with everything that they do. And I think as a parent and as a father um, and as a man myself, I think that, you just said it like, you know, giving people the choice and asking them to be conscious, uh, conscious of it. And I think that's the key. I think asking them like, you know, why, you know, or some specifics. And let's be, let's be clear. I wasn't raised this way. So, and I, I envy and respect the challenges that our kids have today because I was told what to do. There was no conversation about this in my household growing up. This is what you were doing. And if you ask questions, you were just told because this is what you're doing. And there was not a lot of room for independent thought. In many ways, it forced me to delay the choices until I had completed certain you know, benchmarks like my education, um, graduate studies, whatever. For my kids, and perhaps yours as well, and perhaps some, some of the listeners now, we're trying to be mindful that they have choice. And, and the world right now in 2020 and beyond is so wide open you know, so wide open, um, that the choices they have are, are truly infinite. So if we give them this capability, and I, I'll give you a simple example. I was looking at universities, uh, and I'm in New York City. I was looking at universities in California, and my dad got, I said this on one of my videos, my dad got a, the mail one day, and it was a big envelope back in olden days, you know, uh, before the internet. And it was from Pepperdine University. Anybody listening who knows where Pepperdine is, it's in Malibu, California. It's a gorgeous campus. And my dad held it up to me. He goes, what's this? And I said, oh, I'm going to apply to that university. And he goes, no, you're not. And he was like, <laughs> he ripped it and threw it away. And that was the end of that. And there, there was no conversation. Now, what I said to my kids was, pick whatever university you want to go to. Study whatever you want to study. Um, just please promise me that you're going to pay attention to what it is you love to do. Um, and that you feel connected to. Because it's a long and amazing life if you do that. If you follow whatever, like grandma and grandpa or your you know, other grandparents or anyone else thinks and is trying to kind of pigeonhole you into, I don't know if you're going to have the opportunity to really feel connected to what you're doing in your life and your purpose. So, and I know some people may be listening and be like, you know, purpose doesn't pay bills. No, it doesn't. Uh, and I feel as if I've lived long enough and worked long enough to see that if you're aligned in what you want to do... Um, it's definitely a, a much happier life. And to your question about how do you 
how do you raise kids to be this to have this consciousness? I, I think, you know, I, I know based on your story that you are, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm certainly sure and if my kids hear this, of course, they'll they'll be shaking their heads. I just think it's a matter of being that unusual dad that asks right. these questions. Because I think that the unusual is just because it's not common. It doesn't mean it's a thought process that's so outlandish. It's just a, it's a way of raising consciousness so that as dads, we hope that the kids will kind of carry that thoughtfulness and mindfulness into all of the things that they choose to do and spend time with from the people they stay with to the people they marry, to the work they do, to the, you know, the uh, causes they feel worthwhile of their time and effort. So I think it's just a matter of repetition. I don't know. I mean, I send my kids, um, you know, my kids are like 1500 miles away from me uh, in university when they were, and now they live in, in uh, the state out of state. So I said to my son, I said, didn't I send you that book? He goes, Oh yeah, it's on my bookshelf. He goes, ah, honestly, I've told <laughs> me books that you sent me over the years. He goes, I just have a dad shelf. So, you know, I said, it's in that shelf. I said, take a look at it, whatever book it was. So I think it's a matter of like sharing articles, sharing thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm very plugged into different uh, sources of, of media and reflection and kind of thought provoking, uh, whether it be a TED talk, whether it be a book, whether it be an article, wh- whatever it is, like I'm sending my kids stuff and I'm sure they have, you know, alerts off. Yeah. You know? But you know, the, <laughs> this point, too. what I'm hearing from you is get comfortable with the unusual. And this is such a valuable message. So, you know, like maybe, maybe you could even ask everybody who's listening right now, just take a moment and think about how comfortable you are with the unusual. So all the things that are unusual about you, or even just doing things that are unusual. So, you know, like if you are, if you consider yourself a conservative, do you only read conservative media and papers? Or do you also look at other channels, which is one of the things that we talked about that we both do, is that, you know, like you want to try to have your information from many sources and be willing to embrace or read something that's unusual that doesn't sound like you know your usual way of thinking about the world because you're going to model that like your kid's going to copy you eventually (laughs) yeah it's a great point yeah it's a great point i think it goes back to that point of like intellectual humility right no matter how much we study and learn like i can embrace the fact that i don't know everything by a long shot and i love to learn new things and so new perspectives, varying perspectives, you know, I, I really do put it out there. Like, I, I, I guess it's also important in today's day and age to, to look for first person sources. And I've actually, I practice this personally and I encourage my kids and people I know, you know, check the sources of something before you kind of invest yourself in whatever way it is. If it's, if it's, I think to your point, people find whether whatever end of the spectrum or everywhere in the wave of it is a wave of political spectrum, right? I don't think there's just one side or the other. It's this incredible wave. Wherever on the wave you ride <laughs> to get sources that are verified and, and get sources that are diverse because I think it gives you a perspective that is far more valuable for yourself and your as a dad for your family and as a professional just for your place in the world. I think what I see happening, to your point, is that many people decide on ideology almost like the almost like the energy and emotion emotional piece right because there are this is an emotion inducing reality for lots of people they get to a point where they agree, they decide on a philosophy or a belief 
and they just entrench themselves in it, pour some concrete where they're standing, um, lock their lock their gaze forward, and they don't vary. And it results definitively in a, like a very myopic look and view of the world. And I think that's a dangerous reality for 2020 and beyond, right? Because if you want to only consume something that you're comfortable with, you have millions of resources that will help reinforce that reality. I think to be a mindful and conscious man, person, and uh, dad, you know, I think it's important to consume media that you find, you know, different or that you don't agree with and to learn and have a curiosity about why this exists because it exists, right? I think it's, I think to hide ourselves, no matter which side we're on and, and where we are in the spectrum, I think it's important to, to your point, to consume fact-based media um, that's going to help you inform yourself on opinions that you have and not just lock in to an opinion. You know, it's like music, right? Like, you know, it's like uh, I loved music in the in the eighties, and you know, I may hear it now and and wax nostalgic. But I like music that was just released, you know, a month ago. So I think similarly, you're kind of adapting and growing and learning new perspectives. Because uh, uh, if to you, your point, like yeah, if you talk point. to people anywhere in the world, you talk to a man and you say to him, "Do you think flexibility is an important um, quality in in 2020?" They're all going to say, "Yeah, definitely. It's it's very important." And then, okay, so show me how do you apply flexibility to your life, to your media consumption, to hanging out with people. And people are going to go, well, I only hang out with these two guys. And, you know, I only watch the, this channel because, you know, that's my channel. So, yeah. Um, by the way, so you're also a global citizen and, and you've lived around the world and sure. Paris and Dubai and... Oh, no, all over the place. Uh, so wh what I'm curious about, when you meet men in all these places, what's your impression? Like, do they struggle with the same kinds of questions as fathers and leaders, or is it very different culturally? What's, what's your sense? Um, I, hate to, I hate to say the same answer, but yeah, it's, it's true. It, the answer is yes for both, and it's so contextual. I think the, the most surprising and hopeful reality I find across the world in the like 60 or so countries that I've worked in and, and several of which I've lived in that there's a commonality. There's this, there's an overreaching um, love and commitment as a father uh, to, to our children, uh, which is universal. Um, while uh, there are exceptions, of course, What I find as men is that the once you get past the superficial, mm -hmm. I think that different cultures have different levels to which they're, or different paces that they're ready to get deeper into the reality and experiences of being a man of the world today, and um, you know the choices, decisions, challenges, opportunities that we all face. So I think uh, you know I I love my time. In, in different countries for that, partially for that reason, because it gives me a chance to see a variety of opinions and realities and, you know, see the evolution. You know, I've, I've been doing this for quite a while at this point. So, you know, my travels to uh, the Middle East you know, 10 years ago uh, encountered a very different reality in terms of how, in every way, right? But also, definitely including the ways that men related to each other and conversations we had 
and what we looked at for the future for ourselves and our families and our kids. Um, this conversation, you know, it happens regularly now. Part of the impetus for Dad Normus is this reality. Yeah, I think when it comes to when it comes to the challenges, and I, I think we're all facing similar challenges to different degrees. I think some cultures are very reluctant to share that they have any challenges at all. Frankly, I think yeah, America is you, one of those. How is the American? Yeah. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I think the, the cultural reality that I feel is present oftentimes in America is, you know, don't share how you're feeling, just suck it up and deal with it. And, you know, there's tons of comedians who talk about this, you know, just bury it down. You know, like, you know, how else are you going to fulfill your destiny of having a heart attack before you're 60? You know, it's just a, it's a joke, but, but it's, it's not. not, you know, it's, it's I think that, you know, it's, it's literally a joke comedians make, but I think as all comedy, it's based a lot in reality and that's a sad reality to me. So I'd rather not take everything personally. I'd rather take everything as a learning opportunity. Um, I've seen a lot of divisiveness in the past few years, um, not just in the United States, but all over the world when it comes to political ideologies and it's a very polarizing world that we live in now. And I've seen friendships get compromised. I've seen friendships that are decades old or a decade old um, get compromised because someone believes that if you're you know, aligned with equality in one way, it means that you're must be against it in a different capacity, which is certainly not the case. They're not mutually exclusive. So I think it's just an easy way for people to, again, to our previous point, if you're consuming media in a myopic fashion and someone is outside that, then that's uncomfortable. And too many people, I have a shirt that says, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a YouTube channel, it says seek, seek Discomfort. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of nice. I like that. It's a nice gesture. You know, seek discomfort. Like, look for ways to expand your comfort zone, uh, you know, out of your comfort zone. But I think that that's a, that's a pressing reality around the world of people who they almost don't want to invest the mental, emotional, and um, intellectual capital on the conversation of learning from someone who has a different opinion and accepting it. You know, I think it's, it's and with social media today, it's obviously so prolific, you know. So um, I say oftentimes to friends, they said, did you see my post on Facebook? And I said, no, I, I've... For the past probably eight months, I've really uh, lowered my diet, probably 95% of my <laughs> Facebook exposure. And I said, uh, I said, do you feel better about what you said? And they said, yeah. I said, um, they said, people were mad. I said, do you think it's, are you changing opinions? Is that, what's your goal? Like, what's your purpose in this? I said, I just wanted to say it. I think we live in a world where people just want to say it, but they want to drop it and leave. They don't want to engage in conversation. They don't want to engage in dialogue. They don't want to have a healthy discourse. And I think... I think that's sadly a reality that's modeled by leaders around the world. You know, like this, listen to what I'm saying. I don't want to hear anything else about it and cut right. conversations yeah. no over. Qu questions yeah. so, later. Not um, now. <laughs> there's no yeah. questions. Yeah. So, but no, it's, it's a good point that you bring up about the diversity of, of thought and behavior because I think it's yeah. shifting. And I, I think I, I agree uh, with shifting you. Shifting dramatically. You know, I, I've also kind of moved around in the world and I, I think. American men in particular find it, you know, very hard to kind of get through the superficial levels. And, you know, 
clearly the intention is you want to stay superficial because it's easy to connect. Like you like whiskey, I like whiskey. You, you like football, I like football. Or if That's you it. don't, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll find another sport. And, and it's great that we connect on those levels. But there is also a potential for us to connect as a father. But then we need to kind of go a little deeper or, you know, connect on the level of, the meaning that we're trying to find in our lives and, 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 it, and it's hard and, and we are being challenged or connected because we are stuck at home and we are afraid, you know, what's going to happen to our jobs. But we could share that. And then if you get through that thread door, which, which feels uncomfortable, then something opens up, which is actually very comfortable because now we resonate. But you got to get yourself through that door somehow. And that's right. Yeah, and what you're talking about in its essence, in one way, is the absolute fear that most men have with mm -hmm. vulnerability by saying, I don't know, or um, this is bothering me, or I'm upset by this, or you know, I have a difference of opinion, and, and stepping outside the superficial, you know, going deeper into whatever, whatever it is. I think there's an inherent reflex in society away from vulnerability, particularly in men. And I think that embracing that, you know, it's, it's, it's Brene Brown's hallmark in all, all her books. The first one, one of the first ones was the power of vulnerability. And it's, it's one of the books that are on my kids' shelves. <laughs> I sent them. I think it's, it's a transformative reality when you embrace the fact that it's okay that you don't know anything, everything. <laughs> it's okay. You don't know everything. And it's also okay that if you have a, perspective and learn something new, you're not flip-flopping by growing and learning a new perspective based on new information. I think that's a huge, uh, a huge vulnerability gap that exists around the world for men and for leaders too. And I think, you know, I say all the time to my clients, the most powerful three words you can tell your team is, I don't know. You know, I, and I've seen this, and this is such a key point for my clients and for people, for all of us, it's great to say, you know, I don't know. I'll find out. Let me look into it. But I think that as leaders, and as it happens to us as men and as fathers, I think sometimes we feel the need to know the answer to every question. And I think it sets up a false expectation for our, our kids. It sets up as leaders a false expectation for our teams. Uh, and I think, you know, saying, I don't know, you know, I don't know, Mickey, let me, let me check into it and I'll get back to you. And, you know, follow up, follow up as you said you would and learn. And I think that that's a key point that you mentioned as well, is, uh, is that ability, as you're saying, I, I look at it, everything you just said is vulnerability. You know, can you practice stepping outside that? Yeah, that, that resonates a lot. Um, I love it. It's, it's this point that, you know, just because you were elected a leader or just because you're in the role of a father, to be able to share that you are also going through challenges and you don't always have the ready-made answer for everything is actually going to make you more followable. So people will be more attracted oh, to you because they, you know, because the thing is, even if you pretend that you know, they know that you're lying. And so, so you know, why are we kidding ourselves that if I pretend that I know the answer, now everybody is going to think that you know I really know it? Like no. They, they know that if you knew it, you would share the answer right away. So it's, it's much easier somehow just to be authentic about it and admit that we're going through this together. Yeah, let, let's find out. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a great point. You know, it's, it is, um, and the world is changing so quickly 
that it's impossible for us to have, even with, even with this pandemic, no one could have foreseen the level that this was going to devolve into globally in terms of the, uh, the spread and how it's going. But I can firmly embrace this reality. I was in France in early March and uh, friends of mine are like, you're still going. And I'm like, yeah, relax. It's not a big deal. And, um, and I got back and I was like, well, apparently I was terribly wrong because it's a very big deal. And I think that if, Leaders, whether they be in organizations or in politics, can embrace the fact that they didn't see it coming, and it's okay. You know, no one, ex- no one in January expected in July that we would still be dealing with as extreme a reality globally as we are. And I think it's okay. I think you know, particularly to say like you know, we didn't think it was going to be this way, so we're going to have to work from home for more, or we're going to have to ask you to do this or we're going to have to, whatever it is. I think owning the fact that as the world changes so quickly, to be mindful that you can't know everything and it's okay. And I think to your point, making sure people know that you're not trying to just answer to sound as if you know everything because you're going to look foolish. Love it. Um, it's it's like the OYS uh, skill set, you know, like own your shit. So just sometimes we got to admit that something didn't work, you know, and maybe I did something as a father that I didn't want to do and I don't want to do it again. Or maybe oh, as yeah. a leader, I didn't foresee something or made a decision, but we are in this together and we're going to figure this out. So that's kind of the interconnected approach as opposed to, absolutely. let me tell you what to do here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's a great point. Thanks so much for being here, John Scott, and, and you know, oh, sharing this. Yeah, it was a yeah, I, I hope all of you guys who are who are listening, you know, you've heard some points that you can resonate with. And, you know, Dead Normous is out there. So, you know, watch, you can watch it anytime. And, and I, I wish you a lot of luck and, and power to, you know, grow it and, you know, have hundreds of those conversations because I think we need it badly. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Please check our webpage at www.mentorship.com www.mentorship.com Join our newsletter and learn about the Mentorship Coaching and other services and resources we offer. Keep listening to our podcast for more inspiration and motivation.